Great. Yeah, lovely question. So I just repeat it both for the recording and, and just to kind of summarize to clarify also that I, I get what you're asking. So paying attention to the mood of the thinking, what I notice most of the time is that my thinking is relatively selfish and actually not uh, supportive for well-being. And noticing that, it's almost like the mind listened to that feedback and then it starts saying, well, I can do other kinds of thoughts and here's a thought of generosity and here's the person that we really love and here's this kind of thing. And so interesting, mind can be trained relatively simply. So that's an important insight. Yeah, we can actually shape, just give a little feed. Mm, I'm not sure that's so helpful. What about something else? And it's, oh yeah. No, I've got other material. I just thought you really liked the uh, kind of abusive, self-centered stuff. <laughs> you always click on it and so, you know, every time I bring it up. And so, interesting, yeah. So we kind of, but we can give that feedback. No, I, I want the other material. I want a different station to play. But. You know, the Buddha uses this line and he says, you know, I couldn't see any harm that would come from that, thinking about that day and night. Kind of like, I think this is from the Sutta, yeah. Two sorts of thinking Sutta we shared yesterday. But for the fact that it would tire the mind. And a tired mind is far from being gathered and unified. Yeah. And also it's kind of like taking us away from what's here, what's present, what's happening. Yeah. So what should we do? No, we need to kind of improvise a little bit because not everything is kind of filled out in the sutta, but there's a sense in there, and I find it quite helpful to do, is actually say, there's an energetic vibe, feeling, flavor, perfume to those kinds of thinking, yeah? And it's the thinking of release. It's the thinking of unbinding. It's the thinking of harmonization. It's the thinking of interconnectedness. It's the thinking of love. It's, it's all of that, right? However that flavor comes, Bring that with you. Let go of that thinking. Yeah. If it's a if it's a concrete plan, you know, it's like oh, okay, I'll do it later. Yeah. And make a commitment. Yeah, I will write to that person. That's I will reconnect. That being, oh, that is a good kind of action to do in the world. I must remember to do that again. And how good it feels. But tune into the subtle element of it, right? Which isn't the story and the thinking and the da -da -da -da, and that will go round and round and round. Actually, that feeling is like, yes, there's something beautiful here. Bring it in to the sense of the energy of this moment. Yeah, Breathe with it. Let it harmonize. Let it deepen. You know, and let it support attention to rest in this moment. Oh, this moment's okay. This moment's okay. And then kind of going from there. Yeah, yeah thanks. I'll just, I just want to add two things. Um, one is, uh, yeah, when we turn our attention this way and we see what the mind is doing a lot of the time, it can be quite painful. Uh, so not forgetting, and not, this is not to you <laughs> personally, but just generally not forgetting the metta there, to, to hold that inner space of metta and compassion. Um, really, really important. Um, and then uh, the metta can actually then help in the letting go, because sometimes it can also be oh, there's these uh, clearly unwholesome thoughts, but, you know, wiping them out of existence, easily said than done. <laughs> um, so first of, first of all is just to remember this, like, it's like, a, um, like we, we might kind of let go and they come back. Nathan said it a few times, but just, and they come back. We, it's not like we're expecting to be able to wipe them out 
completely forever. Yeah, they, they might come back very quickly, uh, but the meta can be really helpful in that, in that process. Uh, and the other thing that can be really helpful is to notice the contraction. Yeah, so these thoughts are dukkha, and this exploration that we're doing now, we're noticing the dukkha as a contraction in the body or in the space of awareness. Uh, so if we kind of, if it's, if it's a very kind of tricky um, thought to let go of, if we feel the contraction, we move the attention, the awareness to the contraction in the body, already it's a little bit less sticky. Uh, and then we work with, with relaxing the contraction in the body and the space of awareness like we were doing in the meditation now. I just wanted to add that. Lovely. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the first reflection, seeing that we had conceived of, you know, cultivating more positive thinking patterns as a trick and now kind of framing it as a training and seeing, oh, that's actually maybe more a helpful way of looking at it. it could be both, you know, but it certainly, if it feels more helpful, see it as a training, I think it probably would be for most of us. It's, it's good to lean into that way. And the second reflection is around playing with the um, energy and seeing the breath as an energy and coming upwards and just wondering what to kind of do with it in terms of going outwards um, and kind of coming out of somewhere like the top of the head, the crown chakra, and into giving it away into the space. And that's very beautiful, giving it to other beings. Um, which is also something we can kind of understand about the breath, you know, the oxygen we breathe in, the, what the trees breathe out, and the carbon dioxide and all the rest that we breathe out. It's kind of set back in to become tree bodies eventually. So it's a nice cycle that it can have. And we can just drop in those kinds of um, ecological understandings at times for our breath if we want to stay within, you know, scientific materialist ide- <laughs> ideas. And we can also just go really wild and creative um, so I don't know if you want to say something about what to do with the out-breath. Do you want to? Or should I carry on? Carry on. Okay, I'll carry on. So um, using a tree image, for example, sometimes what I sense is that I'm breathing in the earth energy up there and coming up through aliveness in that way. And I almost imagine from here I have branches going out and I just breathe out in all directions out the kind of upper part of the body. Um, that could be very, very nice. Um, sometimes it's a nice one to kind of breathe up the back s- parts of the body, you know, it's almost like up around the back and up over the top and then out of the heart. Yeah, and that kind of has a certain resonance. So for some of us, some of the time, and also for many humans collectively, we have like a sense our heart and our emotions and our love kind of comes from here whether that's real or imagined or collectively agreed upon. So kind of interesting to kind of breathe out from there. It has a certain sense and it can kind of open certain sensibilities. Um, could equally, energy might have come in from the top or the bottom and come out and then I just radiate it out the back. You know, and that might have a sense of like wings out the back or just like just spreading it, things out behind. Um, so it's all... It's all, um, it can all be helpful, but some of those can have particular um, senses, you know, like what's important for us. Uh, and you mentioned kind of like energy centers, so this whole um, conception and ideas around that can sometimes be like, you know, that maybe I feel like I hold back from saying things in life. That maybe the throat, 
you know, you can have that kind of feeling. It's like maybe I'll breathe out through the throat as a way of supporting and encouraging the sense that yeah, I have things to say, I have things to share, and just encouraging that kind of pattern and pathway. So it's all it's all open. Of course, breathing out into the earth is as potentially helpful as breathing in from the earth or breathing out from the sky. So yeah, it, it, that playfulness is really unlimited in terms of what we want to do. Yeah. You might be absorbed into the center, just like disappears into <laughs> into the inner being in some way. So whatever whatever you want to do, whatever you want to play with. How's that sound? Yeah. Great. Yes, please. Yeah, so I just um, summarized the question and then hand over to Zaha, unless she doesn't want it. But um, yeah, so reflecting on this idea of um, uh, what's the right way to make effort? Is it to make no effort? It's kind of hearing from podcasts and teachers that are kind of teaching and proposing a way of practicing meditation that doesn't involve any effort. And actually the making of effort being you know, kind of contraindicative that you're actually doing meditation because you've made effort, therefore you've interfered with, you know, the flow of life and, you know, you've, you're just doing your thing, like you're not doing meditation, meditation's not happening or however they would uh, phrase that. And then an approach here which seems to have a little bit more emphasis on effort or a lot more emphasis on effort. And, you know, wha- how do we square those different types of teaching? Are they going for different practices perhaps or different outcomes? Or is there, um, what's, what's, what are we meant to do with effort? Yeah, it's first of all just to say that effort is, um, it's an ongoing exploration for us on the path. And I think one really helpful way of seeing it is rather, as black and, rather than black and white, to actually see it as a dynamic. Yeah, it's a dynamic in our lives in general and in our, in our practice and our path. Um, now, if we kind of go to the guy behind me, <laughs> so effort is one of the limbs of the Eightfold Path. So obviously, he had quite a lot to say about it. Um, I think part of the confusion that we're, and I'll, I'll kind of speak to that in a moment, but just say part of the confusion that we find ourselves um, in where we are now is that um, because in our culture uh, effort has such a narrow definition and it comes a lot with a sense of striving and being very goal-oriented, then like there's a backlash from that in a lot of spiritual traditions and teachings to kind of say, don't make an effort. Yeah. But as always with words and concepts, it's really worth checking what are we talking about <laughs> when we use that word. What are we talking about? So, um, effort uh, in the Buddha's teachings, particularly in the in the Eightfold Path, he talks about four great efforts, and what are they? And I think it's really helpful for me, incredibly helpful framework. Yeah. So it's the effort uh, to uh, let go of unwholesome mind states. <laughs> yeah, that have arisen. So we notice, and this is very similar to what we've been doing with the thinking, right? That division, the wholesome and unwholesome. Yeah, so letting go of the unwholesome that has arisen. Um, 
making sure that we don't feed the causes for future unwholesome yeah, to arise. Mm. Uh, kind of uh, nourishing, nurturing the wholesome. Yeah? So making the effort to nourish. You know, and that, you know, we're talking about, we can talk about effort just as the, as the effort to bring our attention to something. Actually, always doing that <laughs> uh, in in a practice, yeah? even if it's meant to be effortless, then we're making an effort to be effortless. <laughs> it's really, really cool, actually, to start playing with it. So the the the, the effort to to um, yeah to cultivate, to deepen, to nourish the wholesome states that have already arisen, and then the effort to um, nourish the conditions for future. Uh, wholesome states to continue and arise. So that's kind of in the Eightfold Path, that's the kind of efforts that the Buddha is uh, uh, speaking to. Um, so I think that's really helpful to, to, to have in the background as, as an understanding. Um, and the other is um, that, that is what I said in the beginning, to see it as a dynamic rather than as a black and white thing. Either we're making effort or we're not. Yeah? striving over efforting or not uh, not making any you know those extremes actually seeing it no it's a dynamic and at any moment of our experience um that balance may look different yeah so um this also relates to the subtlety that we've been talking to so as experience gets more subtle as we're tuning into more subtle things the degree of effort that we make uh, will be more subtle yeah, but it's not that it necessarily won't be there. <laughs> yeah, because that intention to bring attention and that bringing the attention to something, yeah, that, you know, we, we might say, okay, we use the word direction rather than effort. That feels more comfortable for us. Yeah, so we can also play with words. Um, and the last thing is, um, you know, an image that the Buddha used about, about effort uh, was uh, to, you know, to imagine that we're holding something very delicate in our hand, yeah? And we want to have enough uh, direction, <laughs> presence, yeah, atten a, a guided attention there so that that thing doesn't blow away or fly away, yeah? We want that. But we don't want so much that we crush it. So I think that's that, and, and that also gives us the sense of, of why this is a dynamic and how helpful it is to see it because it's not always going to be the same, yeah? And say, if I know myself, I include my own, if I know that I'm quite distracted right now, yeah, I'm not very, I might need to have a little bit more, yeah, holding there, yeah, than if I know I'm very present and then I can really be attuned to. So does that make sense? The long answer. Yeah. And I, you probably have something to add. Let's make it longer. <laughs> No, but you mentioned this word cultivation, and I think that that's really a good understanding that bhavana uh, is, is a word that was used both in kind of agriculture, growing of things, and that whole sense of, you know, we could say there's some things to weed out and there's some things to, to plant uh, in terms of cultivating the heart and the mind. And, and so, you know, it, there's, there's a, a few interesting things around effort and intentions that, also, um, I think happens for everyone here, also in, 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 in the culture here. It's like sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, I really love to come to Gaia House, or, or I had a really beautiful experience or something, but I mustn't get attached to it. Yeah, 
So, and, and that kind of that kind of feeling is like, oh, well, there's something that I really love, and it was really beautiful, <laughs> and and I cultivate it, and and you know. I mustn't get attached. And that there's a stronger worry about getting attached than there is actually about reinviting beautiful things or allowing ourselves to be touched. And so let's say that you know we open into some nice space in the meditation by some great fortune and you know all the rest is that and we think, Oh well it just happens but you mustn't get attached. And then we don't actually make the effort to to, to understand how did that come about? How, how was that condition? What did I do? What, what, what went on in the practice? And then will I, am I willing to then make the effort to see if I can recreate those conditions for that to arise? Not out of grasping and attachment and demanding, but that middle way, like Zara was saying, you know, that we can find that capacity to, to make the effort to sustain and support what is beautiful and wholesome. So in the, the kind of short answer to this, perhaps what people are concerned about when they're saying don't make any effort is that our effort would be unwholesome and would take us away from the beautiful and open experiences but we have to make the effort for the wholesome yeah for the opening for the release for all of that and that has to be happening in any practice you know otherwise i I don't really understand what, what what are we what are we doing i'm not making any effort at all so i don't even i don't even do my practice (laughs) Let's just go online shopping or something, you know. Is that well? Okay, so there some something's happening. There must be some subtle goal, even the goal to not make an effort but be there. Is that, oh, you know? Okay, so we're making that. No, 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 we're not making. So, you know, just getting really clear about. So, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to do? Yeah. But really good question. Open question. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Is there anything else? Coming up, feel helpful now? Yeah, please. I was just wondering if we should repeat what you said because. Yep, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe I'll just do a little synopsis and then a little reflection back. Um, I've just. Uh, finding that last comment that Nathan made about. Um, the not getting attached very helpful um, because of finding just now in the last meditation a very skillful way of working with uh, an ongoing pain and the aversion to that pain uh, that come up um, and then realizing that what was that what was skillful in working with that was actually to say to it you belong yeah uh, rather than trying to wipe it out and that's the one that's the thing I want to come back to um, and that that was you know really sounds like a very very beautiful practice unfolded from that and then at the end there was this sense of oh but i mustn't get attached to this because this only happens here and uh and then nathan's comment just bringing in the realization no it's it's okay to feel oh this was uh this was a, a, an important insight and uh an avenue of practice that i'd like to explore and to train in yeah, that idea that we keep training and that we can, it's actually important to have our insights, to hold our experiences as, as something that can guide us uh, on the path and that we can aspire to. So that's kind of one kind of mini reflection back of what you said. Uh, the other thing is, is thank you for saying that with a kind of finding the, the right language. 
Um, it goes back a little bit to also the question about effort and the kind of language that's in the text, which is often quite hardcore. Yeah, the Buddha saying this kind of thing of like wipe out of existence, <laughs> and, and for some of us that that language might be inspiring and uplifting and energizing, and for many of us it may feel like whoa, you know that's you know that feels aggressive or that feels. Um, aversive or that feels you know so to to really this is where the playfulness comes in to see can we connect to the essence and find our own uh language yeah so i can say you know for me it would be like that the thoughts dissolving yeah i also don't like the wipe out of existence <laughs> um so the the kind of the, the thoughts dissolving and then they reform and actually that can even start being beautiful because you know we should dissolve when it comes back up and <laughs> we kind of tune into the process rather than the content. But anyway, <laughs> it's, the, it's the kind of, just the sense of, of, of the agency and the invitation to find uh, your own language and your own kind of relationship to, to these ideas and these invitations and these practices and how powerful that can be. Yeah. And I think you may see that you're slightly ahead of the curve as well, that you know, maybe tomorrow's practice might kind of come into that field a little bit more, which would be, I'd like, see if you can notice it <laughs> <laughs> next week. Um, yes, please. I'll just repeat, and then if you want to answer, you can. Just the, the, the kind of, the, the, it sounds like a, a, an inquiry into when, when is it, when is gentleness the right approach, and when uh, do and, and is there when is there a need for something that's a bit more um, forceful or assertive, like the images uh, of wrathful de deities um, that are there in some of the Buddhist traditions? Do you want to respond, or do you want me to start? Sure. I think, um, yeah, another great question, and and you know, like in this kind of uh, thread that we've been exploring. Uh, again, it's a dynamic, but to allow both, I think, is really important because sometimes we get an image of, uh, you know, we hear the, the, this language from the Buddha or, or um, traditional teachers, and that puts us off in one direction. And sometimes we, we might get a sense of, oh, everything needs to be nicey nicey. Yeah, and uh, I get this a lot. People come up to me and say, uh, you know, doesn't practice you know, because I teach so much metta, doesn't, doesn't kind of practicing metta all the time make you like a doormat? Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and I think that's a really valid question. It's such an important question about this balance and, and, and the dynamic between the two and having the, the clarity that, uh, that all of that is part of the field. Uh, sometimes it's gentleness. Uh, sometimes it's just this. You know, and I'm doing this with my body. It's the sense of when we stand up for something or against something, that takes um, courage, that takes um, having a voice, uh, that tends, uh, takes conviction. Interestingly enough, they don't necessarily need to be <laughs> mutually exclusive. Yeah? So there can be, you know, think of people like Thich Nhat Hanh, who I've mentioned a lot, um, the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, you know, all these figures that we can look at as inspirations and see that they had both, yeah, like solid <laughs> and so much integrity and so much power, 
uh, but very much imbued with with love um, and and kind of the whole kind of the whole spectrum uh, of that uh, and in ourselves it 's an exploration sometimes we do need that more sense of that and, and we also know ourselves each of us what 's our tendency where do we tend to shrink back um, where do I need to have qualities like resolve and determination um, and uh, a quality that's very much associated with effort, virya, which is energy. <laughs> yeah, kind of oomph, I call it, having the yeah. Um, and, and, and when is it more the, the gentle um, approach? So I don't know if I've just kind of done a long rephrasing of your question or actually responded to it. Um, but I would say, yeah, there's place for both. And it's a matter of inquiry, and it's also a big learning for all of us how to um, be clear and say no to something, whether it's internal or external, in a way with non-ill will. Yeah, this is where this phrasing of the Buddha, I think, also really comes into its own. Yeah, a sense of I can stand up, you know, I can kind of say to that thought, no, yeah, like I would to a dog when I was, if I was training it, right, or or a child if it was doing something dangerous. I can say no um, with, without ill will, yeah, without, without aversion. That's a very interesting uh, exploration for us in our practice that we're cultivating. Yeah, another long ramble. You want to add anything? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with, with what Zara is saying there. And... You know, definitely her meta practice hasn't made her a doormat yet. So just keep waiting. Um, it's, got a, it's got a, you know, uphill battle against the Israeli upbringing. So, yeah. Could be. And, y- yeah, looking, looking for those places and how we kind of relate to the images of, of wrathful deities and what wrathfulness is in the service of and, and those kinds of things. It's really interesting kind of reflection. Um, but I just want to remind us again that like this sense of wiped out of existence or if you know if you prefer this kind of dissolved out of existence it's rooted in seeing where this thinking is heading you know and it would be like being on you know I don't know what it would be like being on but being on something that's that's traveling you know and say we're on a boat and it's heading towards a waterfall yeah in that moment, you just leap off the boat and you say, hang on, we need to get off this boat. You know, and you just get off this train of thinking. But the interesting thing about the thing is the raft, the train, it doesn't exist independent of this one here thinking it. And so it's just all gone. It's all gone as soon as you leap off it. It's like the thing you leapt off is no longer in existence. Wiped out of existence. You see, it's no, this is terrible. (laughs) This is going to be bad for me, bad for others. Jump off and it's gone. And it's gone. Wiped out of existence. Why? Because a thought without a thinker makes no sense. Not hanging around waiting for someone to start thinking again. So that, if you prefer dissolved and re... But in that moment, when we see it and we understand it, we just stop. It's a very powerful image and I, I don't feel any aggression in it because the thought didn't exist independent of the thinking of it. Yeah. It's not like a being in the same sense. Anyway, just to kind of underscore that point. And 
But yeah, if there's a feeling of aggressiveness and antagonism in the language, then definitely should find our own language for it. Yeah, so just reflecting back that, yeah, the, the raft, the train, whatever it is, the thought that was there has disappeared. And we can let go of that and see that, yeah, without rethinking it, it it's gone. But there remains a sense of like an energetic residue or emotion that's there. And we're left with needing to kind of work with that and skillfully bringing in the sense of metta and kindness and um, an acceptance that this is what's here. And just wondering, is there anything else that we can do with that that, that could be helpful? I think, yeah, metta, compassion, as you've been doing. Um, relaxing the contraction and coming back to that, that can also be really helpful through just opening out the space. Yeah. Uh, just having so that is there, but within a larger space, yeah, and and that kind of uh, supports that um, tendency of the mind to just focus on that, yeah, and, and kind of then color the whole of the experience with that. All of this very delicate kind of balances, and um, and then when it's possible, yeah, either in that moment or at other times, if you know, you know, you were speaking about this being kind of quite present a lot of the time at the moment, really tuning the other thing that we've been doing, which is inclining the mind to what's beautiful, okay, good enough, that whole range. Yeah, because that also helps, yeah, to naturally then open the space out um, for that sadness or that frustration or that, you know, um, tenderness. Uh, that's that's left as the residue for that not to be the only thing that's there and it also resources you. Um, so I would say all of those. Um, and often, you know, and, and what you're describing, this is what happens, you know, often underneath the thoughts, there's actually an unattended emotion. And when the thought goes and we're not fixated on the thought, then, then, then you can actually bring um, care and attention to that. I know I haven't told you anything you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so finding it, you know, because of the change in conditions from a life off retreat to, to on retreat, um, finding it difficult to find places to, things to, to connect to um, that, that bring a sense of well-being or, or happiness or connection. Um, but you named, you know, two things which are quite major. Uh, so trees and clouds, <laughs> yeah, and so that's, you know, sometimes it's also that, is saying, oh, wow, <laughs> there's trees and there's clouds and there's plenty of them around. So kind of just like really not, um, that's enough. I, I really want to emphasize how much that is enough because often what happens is we're looking for a lot, yeah, both the degree and the, the um phenomena yeah so lots of things that will make me feel connected or make me feel okay and a degree of feeling okay and connected that's quite high and kind of part of the of this kind of practice is to it's again connects to subtleizing is to notice more things you know like you know sometimes it can be just feeling the temperature on the skin yeah and interestingly enough, doesn't even matter if I'm finding it too warm or too cold. <laughs> it's just that sense of the temperature. It's just something in the body that feels okay. Yeah, so trying to connect to that. Or 
bring in the image of the clouds and the trees into the meditation. Yeah, bring them in either in yourself. Yeah, feel yourself like a tree, as Nathan was talking before, or bring the image of a tree. Feel a tree behind you. Feel a tree in front of you. Uh, use the imagination to bring that in uh, more. But work with what you already have uh, initially, and when when things are quite easeful and flowing, then um, then you can also open to, to kind of more subtle things. What's okay yeah, in this moment? Uh, and can I feel that? should let people go. Yeah. So just to say, you know, if anyone, including yourself, you know, are particularly feeling, you know, these emotional stories which are kind of, you know, affecting us and feeling, you know, a lot of those can be helpful to be just kind of talked through with another person, you know. So another good use of the one-to-ones and all the rest is to kind of, you know, even just to be in that presence and hearing ourselves sharing about it can be enough and maybe there's something helpful that we can do in, in the practice. So you're very welcome to use those as well. All right. Thank you everyone. Thank you.